0: Welcome to episode six of the TM podcast. Today we go a bit technical. Um, Yeah, this episode is about uh, UIs, UI layers, UI technologies uh, in TM. And we, we are very proud to have Dragos today on the other side of the table. So he's the interviewee. He's our responsible god of UI in TM. So, maybe start with a short who's who, as usual. So, Dragos, maybe
1: you first. Greetings, I am Dragos Florescu. I work with band in freight order team, but I'm also responsible for user interface in Subtm. and therefore I have acquired during the last couple of years quite a considerable amount of experience, so that... uh, I can answer a couple of questions. I hope, Bernd, that you reserved a series of podcasts about uh, this topic, because we can talk for hours.
0: Yeah, besides one hour, basically Dragos knows everything about uh, TM (laughs) UIs. to make it very short. Thomas? Oh, I'm Thomas Quintus. I'm the Scrum Master of the Freight Order Management Team. Yeah, and I'm Bernd van Dittrich. I'm uh, one of the architects, together with Dragos in the Freight Order Management Team, and Thomas and myself will be the listeners today and try to learn a lot about UI technologies in 2M. Good. So maybe first we can give a very high-level overview about our about today's approach, how to look into a UI. Yeah. So yeah, maybe Dagoš.
1: So yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, the time will be merciless with us um, and we can discuss all the topics that we had in mind. But um, if not, we can leave it for another session. Uh, we're trying to have a very basic overview of the of the technology that are involved um, in sub-transportation management UIs. And um, we're going to discuss um, all the layers that are involved, and perhaps we can also um, bring, ca- say, a couple of words about um, extensibility.
0: Yeah, I think extensibility as such, that's an episode, in at least one episode yeah. in itself, but maybe to give an idea what are the layers uh, affected by, yeah. by extensibility. Okay, so maybe, so basically our idea was to go top down, so we start from the browser, we can yeah. come to that later. Uh, or from the you, really the user interface layer so what you are looking at yeah. uh, down to the very basic spec on on the server that's today's idea yeah. of, yeah. of, of I, how to look it. perhaps into that, before yeah.
1: going um, to that direction um, a couple of um, introductory words when talking about user interface of sub t m we have to uh, define what um, what is sub t m in first um, SubTM as a product, as a SAP product, includes, um, the software components SubTM, which is developed by us, um, but also includes another software components, for instance, SCM basis, supply chain management basis, um, or even another product versions, the corresponding underlying version of NetWeaver. And in those layers or products, there are, um, user interface technologies, which are not um, ours, for instance, we're talking about customizing transaction, we know that um, we have a standard way of dealing with customizing and this belongs to BASIS or to NetWeaver. When we're talking about uh, master data, transportation specific master data, it's not maintained in um, TM, but it's maintained in SCM BASIS, so we have transactions for maintaining locations or business partners. All these uh, underlying transactions are mostly um, sub GUI based transactions. So everyone everyone knows about sub GUI. Uh, it's not even worth uh, having a podcast about it. We are going to uh, to concentrate ourselves of our own um, screens, um, which we developed um, explicitly. And unlike um, the other layers, we are talking now about web based um, screens. Um, in this case, the technology is WebDim Pro, and we're t- talking about everything uh, in a moment. But we're going to concentrate on on TM's own um, screens.
0: And Maybe some just for, for, for sake of history. So today is 2013, March 2013. We are talking about TM9O, where we are not on HTML5 or UI5 yet, but uh, we are still on... Yeah, to Pro. We come to that yes. later, maybe. So that is also the focus yeah. for today, yeah, right? Exactly. So our transactional UIs, like freight order UI, the forwarding order UIs, uh, etc., cockpit, all that goes down yeah. to one UI technology. Yeah. Web Pro is That's some a good. Layer. Um, mm-hmm.
1: It's a good point. Uh, the cockpit we also have in our own developed transactions some um non-standard technologies on yeah, they're standard technologies but uh, they are deviating from the general look and feel for instance in transportation cockpit or in transportation network cockpit we use visual business which is a different product uh, separate product from us we include some screens and they are um worth a mention when we're, we're coming yeah, back later i think yeah? if
0: we come to that but yeah. i think the the most important topic uh, of today is really talk about, about our bread-and-butter UIs, so bread-and-butter yeah. UIs, booking UIs, red-unit UIs, everything, let's say. That we normally probe, work in normal. with. with. Yeah. Exactly. So we can, of course, since this is a podcast, so we have all time in the world, so we can swing by all the other technologies, but the focus will yeah. be today about uh, to Pro, basically. Right? Yeah. We, no, we can always say that word. Okay. Yeah.
1: So. so yeah so basically, when one look at um, our user interface, the first we'll have to consider um the client mm, the client I mean the client computer in this case you the the normal um old-fashioned screen had subgui as a client. in this particular case, we are talking about webdimpro based screens, which are actually HTML pages. so, Simple normal HTML pages, which are which can be rendered in any supported browser. Um, the supported part of uh, the statement means that uh, one has to check the product availability metrics in of Netweaver and see which um, browser versions are supported by uh, Netweaver. Currently, we support Internet Explorer, Mozilla Firefox, um, Google Chrome, Apple Safari. As of now,
0: okay.
1: Yes, and
0: um, I think all, Internet Explorer starting from Internet Explorer from eight, what? S- right? So seven, I think seven it's supported
1: technically, but always um, NetWeaver encourages people to use the latest uh, versions. Be- and sometimes you also
0: have network. to use the latest version, right? So for for some, if you now talk about browsers, I think so. If you do a backend upgrade sometimes that that means of course that also netweaver stack has been upgraded and then there are also this also might come with some
1: well change not the latest version but the latest supported versions because the Mm. browsers especially chrome and firefox have a very high frequency update cycle and Mm. not always the latest version which is available um, in on in the net is uh, also supported by NetWeaver.
0: So, so that means one thing you have to check, if you decide, I go for TM, I go for tm 90 of course, now, since it's in GA, I, you would check then, okay, what is what are the supported browsers versus yeah. what are the browsers uh, currently yeah. uh, running at, at my customer? Yeah. And and then maybe start thinking about how does this matches, uh, for, yeah. And And also, I think the, okay, we come to that later, but the performance is typically also very... Yeah. You, yeah. Very affected exactly. by yeah. the latest. So, uh, yeah,
1: talking about hmm. this, um, it's not not only the browser version, but in in this particular case, uh, the responsiveness of our screens uh, is of course influenced by um, factors like uh, the power of the client machine. So, if you have an older machine, it's you you might expect slower uh, rendering times on in UIs or something like that.
0: And also we are kind of profiting from the uh, JavaScript wars, so the JavaScript performance is also very important for us. Yes. And lucky us, that is also one of the benchmarks the uh, browsers fighting against. So that's why, you know, yeah. generally speaking, the we newer- also see that right. We did some measurements on on. On, what was it, Internet Explorer yeah. 8 versus 9? And, it was and like, versus Firefox and versus Chrome. Yeah. And I think there was a factor factor of three or three, something yeah, between three. them. also. That's say purely between 8 and 9 Internet Explorer. And that's only on the yeah. UI side, just by upgrading yeah. the browser with the same hardware. Yeah. So,
1: that's so we're piece. talking about um, factors of um, runtimes in browser to render the page. So assuming that the whole HTML code came from server... Now, um, times to render the page. And in case of complex web Pro screens, it's not neglectable. So we're talking about seconds, one second if you're lucky, uh, or perhaps even two if uh, yeah. an unusual combination of browser and
0: an client machine. Um, you can check it yourself, yeah. right? That's this yeah. famous shortcut. What is it? Control-Shift-Alt-P. Alt, P. Yeah. You press Control-Shift-Alt-P, uh, and you kind of you refresh see a, a, or do a step. Yeah,
1: a pop-in uh, window in in uh, any WebDimPro screen that will show you um, the response times, including rendering times, but also including the server response times, and also another other informations which are uh, very good for uh, troubleshooting problems. Okay, yeah.
0: No, no, we're deep diving a bit, but still, so yeah. far, as a high-level orientation, we are still... On the outermost layer, so on the interpretation of the HTML side. And now first thing, very simplistically, we talked about showing our UIs in a browser. So uh, implicitly, that is one option, right?
1: Yes. Of course, at SAP, we we also have um, shells. um, And um, currently, we have two um, shells uh, in the world. Uh, One of them is the Enterprise Portal, which is also a browser-based solution. And second is um, NetWeaver Business Client, which uh, comes in two incarnations, but let's say there are two f- sets of features which are fundamentally different. One of them is the NetWeaver Business Client desktop client, so which is a rich client like SubGUI, which has the ability to um, render web based screens like Pro, but also SubGUI screens and other technologies. uh, That's really
0: a piece of software I have to install. It's a piece of of software,
1: yeah. It's a local client, has to be installed. And uh, (laughs) also worth mentioning, it renders Web DimPro screens using exclusively Internet Explorer rendering engine. So if you have network business client, the pages are rendered with Microsoft's Internet Explorer rendering engine. No matter what browser it's set as default on your computer. And um, that means we always have um, one limitation it's a Windows only client.
0: That installation, yeah. yeah. It's NetWeaver Business Client install version, so to say. I think there are also versions of the Business Client and dependencies to TM versions based on our NetWeaver versions, right? Yes. Where are um, we now with TM9?
1: Um, w- with our TM9 we support uh, network business client uh, 3.5 and network business client p- 4.0 um, okay. it's less of a TM dependency but rather a um, Netweaver release dependency on, on that
0: and since we release on, uh, yes. uh, rely on a Netweaver release yes. so it's an um, implicitly also our
1: reliance on, on, on such uh, hmm. limitations um, technically I think it also works in Network Business Client 3.0, but we never tested it. And <laughs> yeah, I think
0: it's not officially supported, yeah. right? And I yeah. think there's also dependency. I think the uh, Network Business Client 3.5 and, and upwards is only available for Windows 7, or is it also XP? I mean, there are still some XP's in the world, I think. I think that, that wouldn't I be supported, had right?
1: I last year 3.5 five on my XP machine until I... Was forced to upgrade.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, so I think it works on any. Okay, way. but still
0: you would have to check if it's officially supported. Yes. Uh, if you want to go productive, with that right? We
1: recommend going for Network Business Client 4. Mm. It's um it includes tab. I mean it has a lot of features. It includes tab browsing and um a lot of new features that allow um, a smoother integration of sub GUI screens. Um. So. I, yeah. I see no way why, why not use it this is releasing more than half a year. Mm. It's stable enough. Yeah.
0: And I think that's also just to mention that that's also our kind of default target, right? The business yeah. client is where we test on and, uh, yes, run our scenarios, uh, internally also on, right? The latest version, um, of course. So
1: the second incarnation of network business client is, um, the so-called zero footprint network business client which is actually a one comp- hundred um, percent b- browser based solution um, it's supported by its is the same shell so it has a similar look and feel like um, the desktop client but it runs exclusively in browser it has some limitation because of that um, but basically can be used uh, our Transportation management roles, which are the basis of any right. network business client, menu structure or whatever, contains mostly web, web-based screens. So that means um, zero footprint version of network business client is a viable option for mm-hmm. most of us, for most of our customers.
0: But then if you want to see like VA01 <laughs> or, or any it's a ERP, Transaction. How would that uh, be different between the installed business client and the zero footprint business client, where I don't have to install anything, so I'm just on the HTML mode.
1: In um, assuming that Subgui is installed on the computer, the desktop client of uh, Subgui will render Subgui screens using Subgui. So we'll make a short case statement and look. Okay, this is a Subgui. I'm running Subgui but um zero footprint will try to run the html representation of the GUI screens most of GUI screens most of subgui transactions uh, can also be released to uh, to be run in um in some sort of a fake html it looks more or less the same as as um the subgui screens it has some limitation and has some bugs um So that's what it is used when uh, using zero footprint client. We actually do not recommend to do that. Um, but luckily, um, most of our uh, product, I mean, most of our product screens can be used without having to rely on subway transactions. As I mentioned, we have subway transactions, but there are merely Customizing or setting a master data, which are um, more or less one time activities. The transactional data is completely modeled in our TM screen. So, I think the only
0: exception from that would be you are on a POWL for OTRs and you want to see the OTR. Order-based transportation request, which is a TM representation of a sales order or purchase order. If and then, if you want to see that sales or purchase order, in you year, would have year, to navigate then, to. Yeah, yeah. Then you would have an old GUI. Yeah. UI, and then I think it makes sense to have that.
1: You can still style. use also this yeah. HTML representation of SAP mm-hmm. GUI. You can see the data. It's not very nice to work with um, to change data mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, it, it is technically possible, but uh, for displaying data, I think it's it's, it's quite uh, sufficient. Okay. And the third one, um, would not spending too much um, about the third shell, it's the portal. Of course, um, you can uh, import PF, um, PFCG roles from sub TM into portal, and then have a TM running portal. It works. It's again a browser-based solution, but uh, then you'll come up to the limitation of SAP Enterprise Pro Portal regarding browsers. Um, technically, our, as I said, our TM screens work in any browser supported by NetWeaver, mm. but uh, Enterprise Portal has a different set of requirements regarding browser, and I think currently Enterprise Portal supports only Internet Explorer. So that means even our, if our screens would technically run in other browsers, if you have Portal as a shell, you're kind of stuck within Explorer for the time but being.
0: There are hopefully browsers which are supported by both, right? So that would be Internet Explorer then, right? So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not exclusively. Yeah, no,
1: it's <laughs> not exclusively. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So maybe
0: the smallest common denominator would be... Internet Explorer. Internet yes. Explorer, yeah. latest version, yeah. most likely, right?
1: Okay. But yeah, you would have either... But what if, you, let's say, if your company has a
0: Firefox policy or, or something, then you would have to think about, I mean, okay, then yeah. you would anyway, you wouldn't be the portal customer. I encourage that, any uh,
1: customer that has um, problems with uh, the dependency on Internet Explorer to raise a ticket and uh, have this triggered. Uh, perhaps we'll see better days when more browsers are supported by
0: our uh, okay, but portal But please raise that not on our component, but (laughs) on the (laughs) portal component. It's not in our hands, right? Indeed. Okay. So just to wrap up. So basically, first of all, we said our, for our normal UIs, for credit order UI, uh, et cetera, it is an HTML site, which can be displayed in a set of browsers. Yes. Basically, major ones. Um, It can be displayed in a, Netweaver Business Client, which is an installed version of the NetVivo Business Client, correct? Where you really have advanced, also search features, etc. Right? There is, yeah. it's a, it's a nice, uh, yeah, basically a sub GUI successor, another version of it. Uh, but we won't go into the details of that one. I mean, that's a topic in itself, yeah. right? And then you, as a kind of a fallback, you can also have that. Uh, NetWeaver Business Client as a zero-footprint version, which means it's kind of simulated in a browser yeah. then, right? And lastly, portal. So you can also include uh, um, or display our HTML piece in the portal, but then you are kind of bound to Internet Explorer. As of today. As of today. And we already mentioned what today is, huh? so <laughs> we don't have to repeat it. Okay, so the users see HTML sites. And we also already mentioned, so let's re-emphasize that, the, the faster the, the machine, so the, the end-user's machine, the CPU really matters also for the running. Yes. If you're working like in cockpit, yeah. but also in the other UIs, it's it's not a, let's say, it's not the kind of HTML that you would use for your website. Yeah. So not Hello World style, but it's really complex, nesting level, yes. etc., which is really both affected by CPU performance, maybe, is it not a GPU? Uh, no, not, not really. Quite. I mean, it depends on, on, on what your browser really does with JavaScript and by yeah, JavaScript. It's, it's basically a
1: CPU um, intensive process because of the two reasons. You mentioned uh, nesting, so that it's an incredibly complex HTML page um, with a lot of nesting level um but also um, it's a lot of javascript going around especially the interactions are implemented as an asynchronous um xml http request um call so the famous ajax so that means um a machine that processes java slowly will experience um Longer hmm. responses time. JavaScript, know, right? Yeah, no Java. After
0: all that exploit, mm. so it's JavaScript. JavaScript script, yeah. site, no worries. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, no Java. Um,
0: JavaScript.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is a change compared to the SubGUI where more or less um, any machine could run sub GUI as a client. Now we have to rely on the performance of the browser. Yeah. yeah. So yes. now we're coming about. Um, we talk about HTML page, but uh, let's Where go one step from? far farther. So it comes from the SAP server, ah. <laughs> from the SAP system, okay. um, and but um, we as a developer do not write HTML code directly. So far. So far. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're talking about um, Web Dynpro well, right. screens, and uh, we have to explain uh, what Web Dynpro is. Web Dynpro yeah. is. Um, UI technology by SAP, which is more or less about 10 years old. Um
0: and still alive. So.
1: And still alive. Um for how long?
0: One might answer. I think it's, it's still showing up on the horizon. It's still up and running. Uh, so we have 12. we can maybe we also have some UI5. Yes we can maybe uh, talk about that yeah. uh, later than that's a special topic so far it's yeah.
1: um, it's a f- it's a model view controller based framework that allows um, developer to model screens in um, object navigator in sap um, and then this engine will Convert the modeling which is done by developers in SAP system into HTML pages. So we're talking about WebDimpro. We um, have between WebDimpro and the outside world, we have the so called Pro rendering engine which converts the internal modeling of WebDimpro. Into our work. Yes, our work into HTML page. This is again something that he, an application cannot influence at all. An application can only say I'm building this screen uh, in a, what you see is what you get manner. And um, this is then translated into uh, HTML page and the corresponding JavaScripts mm. that are required to for the page to work interactively. So this again something that we cannot influence. So um, we try as much as possible to influence how this translation works. in yeah,
0: sure.
1: But uh, we had uh, circumstances where we see that um, there is a um, nesting level that uh, we find unacceptable. Then we go to the colleagues that um, that handle that and try to find solution for that.
0: But we are clearly we are not building that yes. But of course, it's a standard yeah. technology we rely on. And, and you say. So we define our UIs. Yes, basically.
1: so that's normally a Web Dimpro developer. Uh, now, um, as I said, this is actually uh, Web Dimpro was a technology which was originally intended for the um, Java application server part of NetWeaver business, NetWeaver, uh, about 10 years ago. That mm-hmm. was because at that time there was no con- counterpart of the ABAP uh, UIs, ABAP-based UIs, and it was developed for a long time WebDimpro was um, purely a Java technology, so only for the Java UIs, and then uh, for um, unification reasons, was also ported to uh, ABAP. And that brings a um, difference, uh, meaning that there it comes from the Java world. De- designing and working with a screen, with a WebDimpro screen in SAP world in ABAP coding, it sometimes uh, feels a bit um, strange. It, Doesn't feel for a Java developer or for one that works uh, heavily with model view controller based UIs, but for um, an SAP developer who developed for a long time about based screens, it seemed a bit um, different um, and quite, uh, um, yeah, with a quite steep learning curve. And this brings us to the, the next level that we have in on our technology stack, which is called Floor Plan Manager.
0: So, just to wrap up, so that the task of uh, WebDump really is to translate uh, um, a definition of a UI into HTML and JavaScript yes. code on the server side. And that page is then transferred the to client the, to the client yeah. and now we come to the next layer the so-called floor plan manager yes but so, what is the task of that layer
1: so floor plan manager was um there is a another framework that allows an application to develop web with dimpro based screens in a more productive manner originally um it was simply as a as a developed as an engine to allow the users to combine various WebDimpro-based
0: screens together in a floor plan. Um, so that you have like a <laughs> list and details or something like that? or No,
1: I mean there's a screen like um, a complete screen when you have yeah different lists, different forms and uh, okay. this kind of stuff. Mm. Each one, each piece of them was a separate uh, WebDimpro component and they were put together freely and interchangeably. Um, in a so-called floor plan. That's where
0: yeah, the name com- comes yeah, from. So floor
1: that's floor plan manager. Was
0: meant just as a high-level tool to combine already existing UI blocks, right? Okay. Exactly, UI blocks. Floor, so plan
1: in a wo- um, floor plan manager, uh, the basic concept is the floor plan, which is a collection of so-called UI building blocks or UI BBs. On these UIBBs are generally webdimpro
0: based uh, blocks. Or let's you... take an example. So in our in a freight order, the yes. that's general data would be one. Yes, so freight
1: order would be one floor plan, which is Mm -hmm. in our case the floor plan called overview page, OVP, which we'll hear a lot lot about it in the next podcast series, perhaps. (laughs) Um, And, for instance, general data would be one UIBB, Mm -hmm. item list would be one UIBB, and Mm -hmm. so on.
0: And I think one idea is also behind the UIBB is that they can be reused.
1: Yes, they can be reused and combined differently by another floor plans. in the last couple of years, then floor plan manager took the next step from from simply combining existing building blocks and um, they developed the so-called generic UI building blocks, GUIBBs, which are um, a very powerful uh, way to uh, to to develop uh, web Pro-based screens. Basically, they they, they have hidden the complexity of designing a web WebDimpro screen into a generic a component, which then is controlled by um, a configuration, which is defined in an, a corresponding editor, we'll come to that later. But uh, all the repetitive tasks of uh, designing or modeling the web WebDimpro screen and to handle the interaction are handled by these generic UIBBs.
0: Let's take an example.
1: So, so let's what, take what an example. So what us be
0: in generic UI, We talked about the yes. order. Yes, so let's talk about data, list what of the items, yeah? List
1: of items. So, so normally, when you, de- de- when you design a WebDim Pro screen, for that, you'll have to go into WebDim Pro um, Editor mm-hmm. and define a window, define a view, uh, define a controller, um, then um, design the view, put the columns there. You have to define a so-called WebDim Pro context, which is the uh, container for the data. Then you have to design methods that will fill that context from your tables, uh, from your function, from a persistency. And then you'll design the interaction, you'll have to design the buttons, you'll have to assign events and hand re- react mm-hmm. to events, and so on, and make everything um work together. In um, GUIBB world, you only have you'll have a um, generic component, and you have to create a configuration. You go to a special screen when you say I want to create a configuration for for uh, for a list. So I want to create a list configuration. You'll have to provide um, some information. I um, will come to that later, um, which gives you which is the field catalog, which are the fields that I'm allowed to put on the screen, and then you'll put them on the screen. Okay,
0: just to be slow enough for me, so we would have, we, as we said, we now want to have a list, right? Yes. And you already mentioned a lot of things to be defined for just a list of, of items that is just to represent yes. the data from the database. And so the idea of that generic UIBB would be that you have a kind of a generic list that is, yes. let's say, uh, ready to use, but the us, we, we then would uh, say, okay, we have a list. So we yeah. reuse that list and we configure that yeah. as a item list of the yes. freight orders. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. WebDimpro, just to, uh, Web would provide this generic list URBB. And I think there's also things like a form URBB for yes. the general data, like flat form. Yeah. And, and then we, as part of that floor plan manager, and here the name <laughs> starts to get misleading, more so like a configuration, UI yes. config manager then, right? Yes. We would uh, just say, okay, now we define what are the columns of, of, which are available in that list, which are read only. That would be then a configuration of that generic
1: list, uh, list UIB, right? Yes. Okay. Um, the reason why this is better, um, or let's say it's increases productivity is that this generic Web Dimper component requires appli- only one application specific function, which is a normal ABAP class, yeah, mm-hmm. that everybody knows, which is a call feeder class. Of course, this class needs to implement certain interfaces, but apart from that, it's a normal ABAP class. So all the complexity which are strange to ABAP world are hidden mm-hmm. for the application. and this functionality is called the feeder class and basically that's it, what it's requires that to have a GUIBB an FPM okay. GUIBB
0: so that feeder class basically is uh, feeding that generic UIBB with, with information, information right? Yeah?
1: so we okay. have Two kind of information. First of all, you have the static information, the runtime, the design time information, which what is, for instance, um, the field catalog, which fields are are available from 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 my screen. Or, and, an and in catalog, of field they are right. Yes. So yeah. We well, a normal field is. catalog with oh, all okay. the field descriptions and mm-hmm. an action catalog, which says which are the actions that I'm supporting. And that's, that's, that's about it.
0: Action so, things like which would typically uh, map to a button or maybe a yes. link or something. Or a
1: button Sometimes. or a link or pressing enter or something like okay. that. So huh? the events that are, that I'm reacting to.
0: Mm-hmm. And that feed at last, sorry, that feed atlas is part of which layer now? Is it the Web Layer, the Floor Plan Manager layer? It's a
1: part of um, F, uh, Floor Plan, manager, floor plan manager. manager So it has to implement mm-hmm. some Floor Plan Manager interfaces and it has different methods. So I say the first part is the, mm, let's say meta-model information, meta-information required. This is required, so such feeder class is required before I even get into this c- configuration tool because we need mm. to provide first the field catalog and the action catalog. Then we go to uh, the configuration and design the screen. What you see is what you get in a a very nice editor and put the screens uh, on the field and uh, do some UI adjustments. Mm. And then we'll go back to the feeder class and implement then the runtime specific uh, interface methods which are then Uh, responsible of getting data from the persistency and pushing it back to floor plan manager.
0: Persistency is database for those of you
1: not developing like every day. So from database, from Mm. our engine, and then um, reacting also to events on the screen. So when the user presses a button, what should happen? Mm. Or reacting to change. And when the user changes a certain value in the screen, FPM provide the so-called change log with uh, all the fields that were changed and we see the old value and new value and then you'll
0: de- decide what you do with that change. But... Giorgio, something just to slow down for yeah. me again. Uh, so we said uh, the, that feeder class um, also gives us uh, the connection then to the UI definition right that, yes. that uh, what you see is what you get you so how would i let's say i'm an interested um, tm consultant and i want to look into that configuration and see what what is that definition of the how, how would i get there? Is there
1: yes in um good question in webdim Pro base screen um there is a um, by using the right click mouse button there is a contextual menu and one of the menu entries is called technical help. When clicking on technical help, then um, there is a pop-up window appearing with some information, some debugging information, but um, most of all, um, we have a link there to to the UI configuration of that generic UI building block by clicking on that list. Uh, by on that link we're jumping into the configurator and then we'll see um, exactly how the fields are defined there
0: okay i think there's also one user parameter right that fpm expert and after listening to that podcast you can call yourself an fpm expert most likely if you listen carefully Uh, so i think you can also have that fpm expert Expert. fpm config Yes, Um,
1: the parameter is called fpm underscore config underscore expert. And if you set this parameter to X in your um, user parameter, then you'll also have additional um, buttons on the application toolbar on the right side, which will allow you to, to jump to the configuration from there. But it's what um,
0: button called. Show configurable areas. Then you see a fancy blue layer, right? And then you can yes. double click, and then you navigate a bit more yes. nicely uh, uh, into that configuration. Yeah. May would we'll see the different UI
1: there. Um, for that uh, questions um, on our uh, SAP Community Network SCN, there are a couple of documents written by um, FPM development team. They have quite a few how-to guides and um, nice articles outlining the concepts of FPM. So that's Mm. why probably we should not go too much into uh, detail with FPM Mm. because it's a non-TM specific tema uh, and it's... um, quite good documented uh, outside our so team.
0: I correct myself, so after reading that edition, <laughs> you can call yourself an FPM <laughs> config expert and then set a user parameter, right? So that yes. would mean in SCN you would search for FPM? Yeah, how floor plan to manager. Do. Search floor for
1: floor plan, plan. plan manager. There is a space mm. on SCM for floor plan manager and there, there is a lengthy list of posts um, by the FPM team. Mm. And
0: is have a that, podcast? Not yet. <laughs> not yet, yes.
1: Um, but uh, it's, it's quite an instructive read there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah. And um, well, perhaps one word before um, no. finishing with uh, oh. a floor plan. So, as oh, I said, also, perhaps as a, <laughs> a wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, basically, what we need in, when developing an FPM based web demo application is that we have an normal above class that we all know how it works and function and has a very clear interface um, about which data needs and which data uh, provides and um, the rest of it. So handling Web Dimpro component and context and views and windows and everything that is related to that uh, model view controller modeling and mm-hmm. interaction and everything it's done by this generic component. So it's completely transparent to the Mm -hmm. user. And we don't have to... That means the user doesn't care? Yes, the the user, I mean the developer, in this case. The developer, uh, we are using that product, so we are users for a floor plan manager. Um, It's completely transparent and um, it allows us to concentrate on our tasks. So that means Mm -hmm. uh, building the screen, designing the screen, um, and then um, figuring out how to transpose this design, this vision into reality and matching out to uh, to our database design Mm -hmm. and model.
0: So basically FPM is a tool which is used to redesign the UI and then also takes care of all that magic to <clears throat> false data. Okay, we come to the data stuff maybe later with the next layer, but to transport data into WebDune Pro, yes, and 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 back, of yeah. course, and also supporting us with the design. I think they also have like different layers for for us and then for configuration on the customer side and personalization. Should we yes. visit that one briefly as Yeah, perhaps as well? you can
1: say a couple of words about mm-hmm. it. Um, This is a WebDimpro concept, actually. Um, WebDimpro offers um, the the so-called development layer and then a so-called customizing layer, and the third layer is a personalization layer. In the case of uh, floor plan manager-based UIs, the development object is um, the the configuration that we create at at SAP Mm -hmm. in our standard systems, which is actually more or less an XML string containing um, containing the, the meta model information as we defined in that editor. But the next level is the so-called customizing laser or admin personalization, which um, as the name says is a customizing record, client specific, which allows a customer to um, modify the standard configuration in a modification-free way. Um, in this customizing, there are saved um, the differences that the customer deemed to, to, to be necessary. So if you delete a field, only the, that deletion is saved into that customizing. Mm-hmm. Or if you add a couple of fields, only those fields will be saved. And at uh, the runtime, WebDim Pro merges that customizing with the standard configuration by the, following the principle, the customizing wins. So the customer desire wins, uh, has higher priority that... The, mm. the configuration that we uh, saved but this allows for instance the customer to add a couple of fields but then still receive um, via the standard cu- uh, configuration further developments in this area
0: mm. if he had a field yeah. he would still see it but if he has hidden another field then it would still it would hidden. be hidden, right? okay. Still okay. hidden. Okay. customer here means the administrator the administrator the of customers. for all users yeah
1: exactly company. so that's yeah. That's a, a user-independent um, adjustment that is done. How would you go there? I think there's
0: kind of admin mode, suffix. Yes, that is, or, um,
1: there is a new URL parameter that can be set. Um, sub minus config minus mode has to be set to X. Um, it's, again, something that is very well documented in that um, FPM. A- SCN space for mm-hmm. from the floor plan manager. They have a very nice how-to-enhance guide which deals to that um, floor plan manager specific.
0: Um, I think that is also mentioned our uh, enhancement guide yes. uh, for TM.
1: So we have also an enhancement guide in which mm-hmm. we deal with TM specific but um, questions but also the technology um, specific uh, points are also described there with nice screenshots and everything. And the third layer is of course the user personalization if the personalization mm-hmm. is allowed by um, by the customer as uh, the user can um, can do some limited um adjustments for instance hiding some fields or changing the sequence in uh in in of the columns in in a table or uh, creating personalization variants uh, oh, on ta- or hiding table. a column
0: in the table and call support where's my column? where is, my, oh, where is my column
1: yeah that's why for instance uh in some circumstances the customer would want to allow the personalization but technically mm. it, it's also possible to uh to enhance the screen in this way. Yeah, not enhance it, but mm-hmm. personalize it as the name Just says.
0: technically, I mean, I think we have some of the fancy features in, in our um, UIs, like with the right mouse click, you can, could set default values for document types, or so that's, that is also then in the personalization, of personalization layer. So yeah. if you turn off personalization, you, you would also get feature, rid of yeah. those features then. Yeah. So yeah. it's a, a kind of a trade-off um, between, between the, them. yes. Okay. Okay. But it's also a yeah, very nice feature with the right mouse click. You can define default values if you do the, have the, the same, same values yes. day by day. I think that's also pretty, pretty nice. I, I use it a lot at least, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I use it too. Good. So Thomas, you? This is also, of course. Okay, I use it. all of us. Good. This is probably
1: also the place where you set your time zone based yes. settings and
0: Ah, we come to that later. That's yeah. very special. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we'll be this on a podcast so we can do <laughs> any swing we want to do. Yeah. There is uh, – oh, but now we have a personalization layer, so maybe that fits in well. We have some very special TM personalization. Only. I mean, TM is a global business, so uh, the time zones come in, yes. into play here. So, so um, just a warning. So now we are leaving. That's a generic – uh, uh talking yeah. about fpm and layers but uh, we are now talking about something tm specific yeah. the user settings for yeah for what
1: yeah so we have um, <laughs> um we we technically persist in our database all events i mean all everything that is related to a date and the time as a timestamp the timestamp is stored in a utc format so it's a, uh it's green a universal, u- universal time,
0: time- c C stands for so We don't remember, but it's yes. a, a, a same stamp, uh, the same timestamp. The time account.
1: it's a, it's all the times are are saved. the greenwich greenwich mean time.
0: Yes, summer and winter time, right? Yeah. So.
1: And um, of course, when displaying the data, you, you probably want to display it in. Um, in a readable format so that means a date and a time and when talking about time now as has mentioned is a global business um come kind of the location specific times um and our us uh, listeners may may be very familiar with that um, or russian yes, business or, listeners.
0: even more huh yes is um, 10 times also so used to eight now right well, I, yes okay there many times have, more than two yes um Already and enough, also for uh, instance yeah. mm,
1: Yeah, Um, normally the local time zone is the one that uh, is important, but of course we allow the user to say even um, if the local time zone is
0: the default way to display a time. Local means the time zone of of the location location where they even have So if I ship something from New York, to um, LA, then local time zone would mean the local time in New York for the departure and the local the time, time in, in LA for, for the arrival.
1: arrival. Exactly. So, this is the default um, mm. way to do that um, in transportation management, but of course, we can switch it off and say, no, I want to see all the times in Greenwich Mean Time or I want to see all times in Alaska times. Uh, whatever
0: or my user time zone Uh, right so i want to see what happens
1: when i'm awake when when i'm working and uh, the second uh, conversion that we uh, do between our data is um, uh, related to the distances um we store all our distances in tm as a kilometer based on so metric system yep. actually not metrics so kilometers not uh, kilometer is not a si uh, unit of measure but we store it in kilometer nevertheless uh, but of course we want to uh, display it um, according to the local preferences so we allow the user to to say i want to display the distances in my preferred unit of measure for distance yeah if one Mile wants feet or miles or uh, whatever other unit of measures are maintained in the SAP system.
0: But that is on on kind of user level, right? Yes, so this be... is a personalization,
1: so mm. it's not something that uh, we allow to to be predefined for all users. We have a default behavior, but the user can change it, but this is, again, a user personalization.
0: But it's really then, lovely. I remember we have that requirement from our friends from the US, that if they go to Canada, that the Canada status should be displayed in... Kilometer. Uh, kilometers. Kilometers the US, uh, then again in, in miles. Or so. so we are not that yet. Yes. Not yet there. Not yet. So uh, we
1: have only yeah, global yeah. settings. So yeah, exactly. everything in mm-hmm. one screen will be shown uh, according to that uh, to that rule. We don't have yet country-specific
0: uh, stage specific uh, yeah. conversion. yeah.
1: Now uh, let's come closer to TM, I would say. Um, discuss. with. Yeah, maybe, Okay.
0: Okay. Um, End of brackets. We now go from the TM-specific settings back to the generic world again. So back first, go back to FPM.
1: So we discussed that um, our heart of uh, any floor plan manager-based screen is the feeder class. The feeder class serves a lot of purposes and it's, as I said, the normal about class. But When talking about a big project, we had, um, at the beginning, we had to brainstorm a bit what, um, we need to do in order to, to develop our screens. We had to do in, um, relatively short amount of time, um, a lot of screens, develop a lot of screens. And if you look at our uh, sub TM screens, you recognize that we have a huge number of UI building blocks. We have many screens, and in each screen, we have a lot of blocks. So we are, talking about perhaps 2000 3000 um, UI building blocks as of as yeah. of now UI building block configurations and of course writing 3000 classes is, um, it's it's um, it's quite um, um ambitious task especially um, considering our persistency i'm coming to that um, our tm uses um, as a Persistency and Business Modeling Engine, um, the so-called BOPF, which is an acronym for Business Objects Processing Framework, which probably will be um, subject of another podcast series. Um, yep. It's... Um, It allows us to develop applications, to model applications in a very uh, uniform manner. It's Mm -hmm. a nice framework to use. And then, uh, of course, you realize that if you write 3,000 classes, basically all will do the same task. So, inquiring, getting data in a standard manner
0: from that standard engine. Just just use like five seconds for for explaining what pop is. So, basically, this is pop. Business object framework, you model business object. And one example for the business object would be the business object tour, our business object. Um, And and uh, let's say we have currently four incarnations of that business object, Mm. freight order, booking order, freight unit, and transportation unit. But all go back to the technical business object tour. And on the, the buying side, execution side, on the selling side, demand side, it would be the TRQ, the transportation request, same again, one business object and then four incarnations as well, forwarding quotation, forwarding order, OTR, order-based transportation requirement, sales order, purchase order representation and DTR, delivery uh, representation. And Then such a business object like the TOR would have nodes first, root node, which is a Common data on root level, the type, etc. Then you would have items, Mm -hmm. uh, for example, as a subnode. You (laughs) would have stops and stop successors, stages as subnodes, etc. That would be nodes where where you find what are the fields that I really store in in the backend. Basically, it also maps directly to database tables. Then, I think important here, also, then you have actions like I want to schedule. So I have a schedule action. I want to send to ERP. I have a send to ERP. Action, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, more or less everything can be broken down to we have a node, we have actions, yeah. and then for automatic stuff, we also have some determination. So, uh, our example from <laughs> before, um, the, um, the freight order we were talking about has uh, a root node in the yeah. business object Tor. Yes. Yeah. And then the freight unit again, that's the same thing. So, and yeah. the uh, booking order, and then as you said, If you have a general data for freight unit, freight order, booking, air, ocean, etc., that that, that repetitive
1: task, not not only because of the modeling, so the nodes Mm -hmm. that we involve, but also interaction with that engine Mm -hmm. is done in a highly standardized manner. So we have some interfaces, which we call in order to retrieve the data, to modify the data. the data yeah so yeah. reading the data, the data to modify data or mm-hmm. for executing actions mm-hmm. this is all the same we have to do some some uh, administration at the beginning then um, reading the data and then um putting on the screen and then reacting to changes by Using the interface for for changing data, so this is the same all across our business objects. So this allows us to to increase the productivity because we um, we have a similar way of, of dealing with that objects, and we can um, we can develop an uniform application. And at that beginning, we we had the decision um, to beginning to of, of, of the new yes. let's
0: say. The beginning World of 8.0, yes, right? yes,
1: in the transportation management and we decided to go with a floor plan manager, and everything. We said had a look. We evaluated the um, the possibilities. We tried the uh, various approaches, and then we come to the idea it's best to use a generic engine for that feeder classes. So not writing 3,000 feeder classes, which are uh, similar excepting for uh, the node names which have to take data from and put the data in, basically, Mm. but uh, using um, generic functionality. And this generic functionality is called um, FBI, um, which is an acronym for... um, floor plan manager bopf integration so the floor plan manager our ui technology on the part Mm. and bopf which is a persistence layer um
0: it's modeling of our object right yeah so um
1: this allows us to to build all our screens basically with a couple of feeder classes well we have also exceptions because that's how the world uh, works but uh, i think um over 95 percent of our screens use the three main feeder classes that we have. Um, mm. So the, we have a feeder class for the forms, so for all mm, formulas on the screen. Forms we would have be things like
0: yeah, a general flat, data, We yeah. just have yeah. flat, just a, just a flat of collection fields of on a fields, fields
1: okay. underneath mm-hmm. each other with the label and the input field. We have also a feeder class for the list. So let's just, yeah. um, let's say what, it's a lists, list. Right? it's uh, a business partner list for yeah. instance and um, we have also a, f- a feeder for the so called tree or uh, the hierarchical list mm. which is a which is um, similar to the list but it has also some differentiating features like collapsing the hierarchy and you have a hierarchy right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> so yeah. which
0: we would need for like, yes. items yeah. so items overview, a, stages even yeah which is incarnation of overview yeah
1: you see so this is so basically we have three feeder classes and now um, these feeder classes do all the same, the same operation. So they are responsible of getting data from the BOP and putting on preparing for for the screen, converting it, putting on the screen and reacting to changes and also executing actions. And now coming, how come that uh, three classes serves so many UIs? Of course, they are parameterized. Um, the feeder classes. So this is again, uh, the, fpm feeder class accepts the so-called parameters and we can control the behavior of those fbi feeder classes by the use of parameters Mm -hmm. Um, so that means the same feeder class can be instructed to say in this case you're taking the data from the root node of business object or but in that case you'll take the data from the item node of transportation request no or business
0: object okay so can you know everybody's eager to to see that parameter so coming back to our thread order general data so how, how would i see that uh, parameterization yes. so we so already are, said how to get into the general data yes. uibb right
1: so there're two ways so the simplest ways yep. which can be done very easily for prototyping and for very simple use cases is to specify directly in the feeder parameter um, the business object name and the node name.
0: But first first thing is, so I'm now a listener to the podcast. I want to see that. Setup. So how would I come from the general data UIBB to that? Setup? Okay.
1: So uh, to see that, um, you would uh, right click on the UIBB in question, yeah. use technical help. Then you will see that uh, pop-up that we discussed before, and you'll have one link to the, component configuration is called.
0: That is what we discussed before, right? Where yes. I also would see how is the definition of that yes. field. Do I have an F4 help for it? Do I have autocomplete? What yes. kind of field is it? We, we first navigate there yes. again as we did before. You'll,
1: you'll, mm-hmm. you'll be there then in the uh, editor for that UIBB. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then um, on the general data part of that editor, so it's mm-hmm. an editor that has also some general data, some uh, f- action schema and form, schema, or list, schema, so that means how uh, how you design the screen, but also has a general data with some parameters. This is, um, and one of them is uh, called Feeder class, and the other part that you can find there is the so-called Feeder class parameters. And if you click on that in any TM screen, you'll uh, probably notice that the Feeder class is the same. It has, it's a class in the namespace B-O-F-U, Business uh, suite foundation, and which then it's one
0: of the layers we are reusing yes. generic functions so like like yeah. Bob same layer like mock right?
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And the class is generic, but then you will see a list of parameters that this class accepts. Hmm. And then, uh, in most cases, in you'll see there um, an important parameter which is a called FBI view. In some cases, you'll see a business object and the node specified directly hmm. there.
0: But typically, it would be the FBI.
1: Yes, yes. an it FBI view. Coming to another, what is an FBI view? Yep. Um, FBI view is. Um, is a collection of settings which are maintained in a different place that allows us to control how this um, feeder works, this generic feeder works. Um, obviously, it requires the business um, business uh, object and the node, so that on the persistency side, but also allows us to specify a UI structure. So, it mm-hmm. allows us to specify how the which are the fields that I am um, using in in uh,
0: in my UI just too, too short, to to be slow enough for me again so i if I want to configure my journal data UI that is uh, as we learned, uh, generic <coughs> web processing, so there must be something that tells the <clears throat> the floor plan manager what are the available fields, which is that feeder class as yeah. we learned, and now we teach that feeder class about the fields. By going into that FBI... yes, view, A normal
1: right? feeder class, okay. non-TM specific, would have it has an interface method which is called getDefinition which is supposed to um, give back a field catalog and mm-hmm. you okay. would hard enough. code that, mm-hmm. you take the field catalog, uh, you're okay. hard coding it. In this case, we'll we'll have a generic way. That means our this FBI feeder class will take this parameter from the FBI view and then we can specify which is the so the data FPI dictionary view, structure that hmm. I'm I want to use as a as a field catalog from my, my okay.
0: Head. So in that in that FPI view, which is teaching the field class, the generic FPF field class again, yes. um, I would first define a UI structure, which is basically you, you go to SEF, data yes. dictionary. is just a structure, which is an ABAP term for list of fields. Yes. Basically, that is a
1: yeah. very.
0: So, best, Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would see. say um, um, okay. FBI and FBI view perhaps are uh subjects for for a um, for a podcast yeah, episode be... scene. But uh, the basic idea, as you mentioned, is that you define an FBI view. Where did the data come from, the business mm-hmm. object and node? Note. Where does it go? So um, in a structure, which contains does not necessarily contains all the fields from the business mm-hmm. object node. I'll come to that later why. And um, the third part is how the data is transformed between the business object format and the UI format. So we have a mm-hmm. conversion class in place, which allows us to, um, to control how... Some backend-related fields are translated mm. into UI so We're talking okay. about timestamps, how they are converted mm. into um, time, date, time, and time zones, or how um, um, object keys are translated into readable object IDs on the screen.
0: At high level, so in that FBI view, without that conversion, which is maybe already a bit specific, I would say, where does the data come from? Yes. In our case, thread order is an incarnation of Tor, as so business Tor, object Tor, in the root node because it's general data and yeah. in our case, most cases, maps to the root node. Yeah. That is the, the one-hand side. Yeah. And the other one is I also define what are the fields that I see. Out of, I mean, our root node is yes. big, yeah? a long, big. lot of fields, but I only want to see like 10 or 20 of them. Yeah. And that is defined in that UI structure. But
1: you also may define in your UI mm-hmm. structure fields which are not even on... On the database. So, yeah. for instance, we have in database a field for um, for for the carrier, but you want to see it's a key, it's a GUID, mm-hmm. but you want to see in um, on the screen ID and perhaps also some additional information, the name of that carrier, address information related mm-hmm. to that. We do not persist that in the document itself, but still yeah. you would like to see that on, of course, in on the screen, mm-hmm. and that's why you devise your UI structure containing the fields. Which are really required for for your use case, mm-hmm. and not more. Yeah, uh, it is important that uh, UI structure contains only the minimum necessary, which mm-hmm. is required for the for that UI BB to be displayed, because otherwise we'll run into performance problem in um, a floor plan manager in Web Dim Pro. Okay,
0: so. Come back to our example. <laughs> we define now the fields like good example, easy example is also the doc, like the document type. The document type is only stored in the root as a four character field, but you want to see the description also. Yes. And then you would define that type and then you would have another field with underscore txt and with some dragos magic. Uh, it's an automatically more or less. Yeah. And I come details in another episode. Into that text, yes. basically, so, that's the idea, right?
1: Uh, yes. So, uh, how this conversion occurs and um, other, um, how exactly FBI mm. in FBI details works and our uh, implementation of FBI works, perhaps it's yeah, too, yeah, much, too to much, much to discuss already, now. Yeah. But I wanted to say that we have this generic, So, if you see, uh, it's quite, um, it's quite a rich uh, link uh, list of. Um, of generic features so on top of it we have um, a a collection of settings which is called fbi view which is instructing a generic engine in this case an fbi feeder how to work and this uh, feeder uh, furthermore uh, instructs a generic functionality which is a FPM GUIBB, how a WebDim Pro component should be built, and then uh, WebDim Pro is another generic functionality to generate HTML coding. So mm-hmm. we have a couple of frameworks underway, which of course sometimes poses us um, performance problems, so we have to 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 always keep an eye on how mm-hmm. we optimize this, um, this stacked um, layers, mm-hmm. yeah, so yep. it's it's not an easy task. It can be done, but uh, of course, uh, we were at the beginning also uh, driven by too much enthusiasm and designed uh, too many fields on the screens and then realized um, perhaps uh, we can do that in a more, in a better way later. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think one one clear lesson learned is the number of fields available or defined in that UI structure really matters. Yes. It makes a difference for performance. So we only, and that's why typically we only uh, include the fields which are meaningful from our perspective and, and do not provide a all-you-can-eat field catalog because yes. that is also, if you don't use that, it also affects the performance and negatively, not positively. Yes. That's why uh, we, we do not have like a, yeah, huge field catalog but but then if you learn that if you learn yes. okay there's a commonly used field or something then we of course enhance it but it's not not we do not do not want to have all like all root fields or I yes. Maybe coming back sorry to again swing back to that um, general data example of that yeah. um, um we are now where in the FBI view where we kind of teach or field class. What are the fields that we want to use for the general data? I think it's not on in the general data. We not only have root data, but we also see things like for pickup and delivery, yeah, mm-hmm. stop. Yes. So from, and that is a different yes. node. Uh, that's a, note a very, that's very good mm-hmm. question.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course, our UI building blocks are not uh, designed uh, to match one-to-one our um, business object modeling. And the other mm-hmm. way around, we do not model business objects so that the screen will be satisfied. Of course, in one building block and general data, are also in the items list, you might have information which is spread over various business objects' nodes or mm. even over various business objects. And how is that achieved? Um, FBI view as a collection of settings has a nice feature which is called related views. Basically allows us to chain um, other FBI views Hmm. in um, in a le- larger, yeah create a chain of related views. And actually what this feeder then has as a field catalog and what works is the collection of all related. So in this case, mm-hmm. you will have one FBI view for the root and we'll have one FBI view for... Um, an item and one FBI view for a stop, mm-hmm. but then you will link those into the first FBI view, which has one related view for item and one related view for the source okay, stop so and one related view for the destination stop, and mm-hmm. basically you combine data for four node instances into one UIB. And I do that in that
0: FBI view yes. for the general data, yes, the where we t- can navigate yes. just to, uh, to, uh, to just <laughs> come back to that again, so Remember, you can go into, with a, now as an FPN config expert, you can navigate into that configuration. Into that configuration. From there, you see that parameter, WebDimple, uh, FBI parameter. Yes, and
1: FBI, but we- perhaps it's worth mentioning that FBI view itself, it's also persisted as a WebDimple component configuration. Mm-hmm. It's the same um, transaction or the same uh, application like um, the GIbbs. So if you are in one environment, then you don't have to switch to another uh, environment. So you can use the same browser window.
0: So our so example, we, yeah. we are in the general data. Then we would uh, go into that uh, general data of that general data yes. UABB yes. and see the um, FBI view, that, which exactly. is then.
1: Uh, so you would, you'll see then an identificator, which is a which is the name of uh, WebDim Pro Component Configuration, you either can locate that in um, Object Organizer, Mm -hmm. um, an AC80 or an AC84, or uh, you just reuse the browser window which popped up uh, with the configuration. It has a nice URL there. And just uh, clear the, all the parameters of, the, of that um, application. So everything after the question mark and then press enter. So you'll be presented then with um, with the configurator, with the, mm-hmm. with the WebDim Pro component configurator, in which you'll uh, paste that name of that API. But can also,
0: uh, say, you can also say, I think if, if I'm in a config or UI, can I can copy... you can use a new window, yes. I, I would copy that um, FBI view parameter name, yes. to that name. It would be like, oh, to root or to a general, I think, yes. maybe. Sorry, you don't have that in hand. We also have no video, since you don't have one, so... Uh, we want to be on the same level. Yes. So we, we we copy that, then you have that button, more new, functions, new window. new window. Yes. You paste it on the right hand side, and then that right window, you clear the left one, say display, and you're there. Right? Yes. That is where you have the FBI view where yes. we define, remember the UI structure, which is the fields yes. available for the for that part of the general data, and then the node it maps to and the links to the other nodes, right? Reset. Yes. We link in the general data to the first stop, yes. which is the pickup location, and the last stop, which is the final delivery location, yes. and the main item, which uh, contains yes. the, the resources. And that views again are FPI views with the same concept. They have their own UI structure. They yes. have their own. I think you can also rename fields in that view, yeah. right? Yeah. You can. Yeah. They also have a link to yeah. their node, and then um, magically you have the fields of that related included. so-called yeah. relative view also available in the top in the top layer uh, in our general data so you just if you add another related view to the fbi views which is yes. used for general data then if you go back to the configurator yes. of that general data then you see that additional field fields, yes.
1: okay good so the field okay. catalog of an fbi view contains the fields from the ui structure Attached to that FBI view plus all the fields from all the related view chains. Yeah, These yeah. related mm-hmm. views may in turn have also their own related views and so on. So mm-hmm. the chain can be pretty deep. Unfortunately, we have a um hard <laughs> limitation on that. Um that is 15 <laughs> So a chain of related view may not be uh, longer than 15, and that is uh, because the generated field catalog structure which contains all those also includes secondary keys, some Mm -hmm. sort of secondary keys required by FBI in order to work performantly. And the data dictionary structure, data dictionary table type can have only 15 secondary keys.
0: So but I, the, I think it's people. not that bad. Yeah, maybe. so but like a trade of 15. So it's this also is also the... another I think it, it will already run out of fields before because I think every layer also adds a suffix, right? So yes. if you see that fields with underscore S uh F like stop first, maybe and yes. SL like stop last. The end and I think every layer adds another three. Yes. So, so any I think typically you would have like multiple related views but one or maybe two layers but not more I think also from performance perspective uh, it's not recommendable to have a too deep
1: yeah in this particular case if um, one can decide of designing two uh, UI building blocks and put them together in so called composite UIBB or in a tabbed UIBB by still having two separate UI building building blocks from that's also increases reusability
0: Okay, I think now we are at the end of our UI train already, huh? just Oops. after 1 hour 13. <laughs> but okay, I think we touched everything. So maybe let's now, we already went top down from the UI back to the last definition. Maybe just to wrap up, we go once again back, right? Mm-hmm. So we have our FBI view where we define available fields, available actions, and basically how they map to the R with the conversion class, I think that would be too much for today. Yeah. I think today yeah. it's more about the different layers, yeah. which is then re, which is then used in the um, configuration of yeah, which is used by the feeder class and kind of do that's a magic to generate to to easily uh, define um, the the FPM gen- or to configure this generic. FBM UIBB, as you said, general data uses a generic yeah. form UIBB. And with uh, FBI magic, it basically you, you can define what are the fields, what are the actions uh, um, I, I want to use. And that again goes then to WebDimpro, which then renders that. And then it sends it to the business client, network business client or the browser or the portal to display it to the end user. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, we already talked a bit about extensibility. Should we maybe briefly go through that uh, or would it be too much for today and we keep it for another session? Yeah,
1: perhaps um, say a couple of words, of okay. course. Yeah, Maybe just Youth take an cases. example. You want
0: to extend the general data of the freight order <laughs> again. So we've been there quite a while already. So let, let's take another Z field or yeah. Z field, depending where you are, um, to our root node and you want to use it for freight order. Yes. So what would I do? After enhancing
1: um, business Put object zero. node? so that means you already have that field. Then um, the first thing is uh, to locate the proper UI structure that has to be um, enhanced. There are some ways to do that, and they're all described in our enhancement guide. But basically, after you locate the, the UI structure that needs to be enhanced, you add the field there if the field is named in the the same as the database field then you won't have to do anything it will be taken over automatically
0: UI structure which is defined in the FBI FBI view so
1: as Ben mentioned you have to follow these steps so (coughs) going from the screen to the UIBB configuration from the UIBB configuration to its general data feeder class parameters and uh, locate the FBI view and then opening the FBI view in again in the configuration tool Mm -hmm. and there you see the the name of um, the UI structure and then you would add the field in that UI structure. So that's about uh, the data movement. Of course, now the field is all only in the field catalog and only in the context, but it's not automatically on the screen. What we also need to do is to enhance the screen mm-hmm. and to use this customizing of um, the UIB configuration. So you would open General data UIBB, but not in the editor. You can't, I probably, you can't even change it in a customer mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. but using the that so. Yes. <laughs> it's a custom, uh, using the customizing transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's described in, in that yep. FPM enhancement guy how to reach that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll see exactly the same editor that you sh- also see as mm-hmm. the developers and you just take the field from the field catalog and place it on the screen whenever you like it.
0: And, and it comes into the field catalog because we enhance the UI structure, structure which is then yes. considered by the field FBI FIDAT exactly. class, and um, presented uh, to, to the UI yes.
1: screen. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... And that's about it. So enhancing the UI structure and enhancing the configuration would do the trick, of course. the In this particular case, the difficulty consists in finding the right UI um, structure. And but now you're
0: FPM yes. config expert already, so now you don't have that difficulty anymore. Yes. And of course there are... Don't we also have that policy, but I might be wrong, that we in the UI structure that we also include, uh, extension include... Of the corresponding node. So in, in some in some in cases. some
1: cases we include also the extension mm. include of the business object so
0: it might so already means, be there, yes, then, right?
1: Yes. Mm. So you have to check uh, the UI structure mm. if it includes already the uh, the extension include of that um, business object node. Oh. Then you don't have to not even have to include to enhance the UI structure
0: mm-hmm.
1: and only do the configuration part, uh, depending on. Um, on the complexity of the requirement, you might need to take data from different nodes, and then you would have to create well, some I other related is, views or something like another, that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or
1: uh, you might do some coding enhancements, but then mm. you have the normal coding enhancement techniques, yeah? so you can yeah. enhance.
0: And if I know, let's say I have my not only my own field, but I, I'm a good developer, so it's a domain. I have a field value list. Uh, okay. uh I think I could also easily just enhance the UI structure not only with that field name, but maybe with another field the same name with underscore txt and some yes. dragos magic comes into play then, right? If it's yeah. So domain value with fixed value list. We're then stealing
1: a bit of show from from the next podcast episode. Uh <laughs> Yes. Uh, when I mentioned that the data is persisted in in, in one way and displayed in, in the screen in the other way, mm-hmm. and we have a feature which is called a conversion class or a mapper class, which takes care of translating these two uh, worlds. And um, we have some standard conversion that occur, one of them we talked about earlier, um, it's controlled by that um, user parameter is the daytime conversion. So we transfer, we convert the timestamps time, time into dates and times. And time, zone? time zones? And time zones, of course, considering the user uh, preference. Um, but also we have um, the so-called code list description conversion. So we take uh, some values for zero one, 1 and we uh, Depending on the data element and the domain which is behind it, we convert um, an, a readable text. So let's say, if
0: as an I- example, you would classify your freight orders. like uh, have an important field which could have values like zero one important, zero two very important, and zero three extremely important. There is like nothing like an unimportant freight yes. order. So uh, you would do that. Domain definition. I think that's normal. ABAP. Yes. Then you would have that field only with zero one, zero two, zero three. Customizing table also with more yes. values in it. Then you enhance the PO. Then you have yes. just that additional in the UI structure. You yes. would have just another field with the same name but <laughs> underscore tft yes and so then,
1: normally whenever mm-hmm. you do such conversion you have to define the mapping rule how mm-hmm. the data is transformed but you also that um, mentioned magic we uh, use naming conversion in some places to
0: okay.
1: yeah, auto generate such mapping rules so if you have a field uh, which is called life cycle in our um, persistence yeah. in node which has some very is one, two, three, four. And then we have a field um, lifecycle underscore TXT. In our UI structure, we try to to convert those one, two, three, four values into readable uh, status in this case. So it's uh, in process or canceled or whatever. It's that coming status. from that yeah.
0: definition of that values, right? Yes. So, from customizing table, hard-coded domain yes. values. Yes, or okay. so mm-hmm. if you have
1: a customizing behind it, hmm? Um, so we'll that look comes for so free, text. right? So yes. if
0: you follow that naming convention, slash, slash magic, uh, then it's automatically considering... That would be yes. if you do underscore TXT, it would check for the domain. Yes,
1: so called codelist provider, which yes. is a another basis functionality that we have which looks into mm-hmm. domain uh, fixed values or look into the customizing or in the check tables mm-hmm. and, and the, um, there are a couple of places where
0: this is determined. So that would be that txt, there are other yes. magic suffixes? Uh, uh,
1: another magic suffix is um, daytime
0: mm-hmm.
1: time zone conversion, so if you have a field which is called um, whatever departure my timestamp yeah, It is called my timestamp in your uh, uh, business object. Um, By having uh, my my timestamp underscore D and my timestamp underscore T and my timestamp underscore TZ in your UI structure, will automatically try to do um, a conversion uh, between a time.
0: Day for
1: the day, time from the T. T and time zone for TZ. Only day is mandatory to d- be defined in the UI structure, mm-hmm. the other ones are are, are uh, considered as, uh, as um, optional. optional.
0: And how would you, like you said, it's location-dependent, is yes, there also some magic for that? Or?
1: For location, we don't have any magic because we have to specify which is the location for that and we can't mm. get it from, from the naming convention. Um, in our enhancement guide, or in our next uh, podcast topic, we'll discuss about um, in more detail about that. Mm. And another magic is um, the so-called location description. So if you have a location field in in your backend, and in the UI structure, you'll have a field with the underscore loc t lock t um automatically we'll try to determine the location text the location text is uh, the one that you maintain in the location master data transaction for a specific mm. location okay for instance uh plant whatever or customer XYZ. Mm.
0: Oh, maybe there's one more hint so if you we said we now have that new field you have it in the ui available and we, we put it on a ui I think you also then have to define this as just a read-only field, which would be a text view yes. in the convention, or as an entry field. And if it's an entry field and you want to have a reaction to uh, entering any data, you also have to set a parameter at the very end to, what is it, FBI default, right? Just some tips and tricks sections. Yeah, so, so this, um. Now you have action, a new field and yes. you want
1: to, yeah. This controls, it's an FPM feature that control, that allows you to control in, in the UIBB that something happens when you press enter in that field. And by default, nothing happens. Yes, by default, <laughs> nothing happens, but nevertheless the data you don't lose the data it's not a prerequisite to to adjust the screen but the next round trip so anytime you push a button or press enter Mm -hmm. in another field that reacts to enter or switch uh, the panels or whatever Mm -hmm. do that uh, triggers a round trip that value that we entered in that field Mm -hmm. is automatically
0: transmitted typically you would expect if i enter something into a field and press enter then uh, a round trip occurs yeah so this is a to achieve that I yes. have to set that, what is it called? That, it's uh, a,
1: um event, which is called mm. FBI default, which can be attached to the field. It's a part of uh, FPM configuration. Yeah.
0: I think you can just check, uh, a good hint would be just check the other fields on the yes. UI. Same thing if you want to have an uh, auto complete, which is a pretty nice feature, which is calling the search head basically, and then already while you're typing, yes. already calling the search head. The settings in
1: the UIBB configuration, which is called suggest values. Uh-huh. And you Which is also it. off
0: by default, right? It's off by default. Yes. It. But typically, it makes sense if I have a field list, then I, I want to get that. Right makes
1: sense point. when when the response time. It's. I mean, if you, yeah, if you have um, domain values or simple mm-hmm. values, but if you're looking for a complex query in backend to serve that, yeah. uh, sometimes it's annoying to have a to
0: yeah, wait for. but okay, that's an, But typically, yes. if it's normally, I think it's fast enough. Yeah. Um, that happens, and then it ty- helps you typing yes, uh, yes of but, course.
1: But even without any specific features the if you type in any value for a new field it will still find the way to the database yes uh, yes so you'll so, get that everything for free yes day. if you type so exactly. this is something that webdim engine handles or whatever you type in the screen they make sure that it reaches the application and mm-hmm. in our case uh, the feeder class and in our case the fbi feeder class and he handles that and sends it to. And you the can assistant. also
0: check if I key in nonsense, if the if it's a domain value, fixed value list, if the UI would already check that. Yes,
1: yeah, so there are um, there are a couple of validations which are uh, taken care of directly by Pro. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, typing a typing date into a um, or a character into a numeric field or. Into a date or non or invalid date format or something like that, these kind of mistakes or this kind of false input do not reach our application mm-hmm. at all. Um, they are captured by WebDimpro and you are instructed to, to uh, enter proper data which passes these basic validations. And of course, mm-hmm. we also have our application has also ways to, to handle application specific validation, for instance, mm-hmm. typing um, non existing business partner. WebDimpro does not have, doesn't have any way to, to, mm. to check that, but it's a application side or yeah. even validations, which. Um, and
0: that would be a box topic then. Yes. Ah, ah, that taking uh, the date topic and also the time. So that's one of my favorite uh, um, UI conversions uh, we have. So if you enter a date, you can in SAP world, like uh, 12th of December 2012, you can just key 12, 12, 12 instead of 12. Dot zero, twelve, uh, dot, uh, 2012. So that can be very fast. And also for times, so we just key in 10, it's yes. 10 o'clock. It's not yes. that you have to key in zero, zero, 0010. Yeah. Uh, so this is so a SAP
1: is, general feature. Yeah,
0: but them. not very well known. So yes. please uh, tell everybody to just key 12 to 12 instead of 12 of December, 2012, or 13 yeah. or whatever. Then that saves overall a lot of yes. time, I think. Yeah. So pretty much it. One and a half hour. So, no, after reading, listening to that twice, maybe, or, or depends, maybe three times, uh, and reading some FBI config, then you are allowed to set that user parameter to FBI config expert with true. Maybe you can already start with it without true, maybe with an M, like maybe or so. Um, and, yeah, start exploring that world. I think we will have some follow-ups on deep diving into other aspects of that, but I think high-level... Went through all levels. I hopefully we uh, were able to explain which level is responsible for what and what's uh, on the, And I even were able to talk about date conversion. It <laughs> makes me happy. Yeah. Good. So enjoy all our UI levels and stay tuned. More episodes are about to come. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.